You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Raj coming to you on the 16th of December. And before we start anything, I want to say, Vince... From the bottom of my heart, fuck you for making me want to buy DC Comics with these movie poster <laughs> covers. It's not my fault I, that they actually did something good for once. But you know what? I would have picked up on this later, possibly even after they'd come out kind of thing and missed my chance at them. They would have sold out and I was like, damn. Now I'm you have time to pre-order. Now I'm going to have to call Comic Book Dude and say, put aside and Screw you for making me want to pick up a Catwoman <laughs> comic of all things. It was like I saw that and I was like, God damn it. Now I have to buy a Catwoman comic. Because that covers on it. Honestly, it, despite what I think of, of the comic, that covers I haven't read it. I haven't read it since the first issue came out. I read it for a little while, actually. I Again, you know as well as I do, I like to punish myself, as was evident by my Twittering of watching the latest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Which, there you go. Screw you for that, too. Not you, but Michael Bay and company. <laughs> you guys <laughs> suck so bad. We'll get to that after. Uh, but yes, these covers are amazing. I'll, they're linked in the show notes, folks, so you can check them out. I, I'm sure you probably already all know about them. But DC is going to be doing a month. This is going to be, what, March? March of 2015. All of their comics are going to be using classic, well, not always classic, but uh, themed as movie posters. So like the... Um, the detective comics is going to be the matrix. Uh, Batman's going to be the mask. Um, Batgirl is going to be purple rain. There's some really, really cool ones as well that I kind of looked at and went, Ooh, I need that Grayson that. one. is That's, amazing. I'm looking at it right now too. Yeah. I, I have to have that Grayson one as well. And I can't stop laughing at Aquaman. Yes. That's, that's hysterical. <laughs> Aquaman is free. Willie with Willie jumping over him in that classic movie poster. And then the, the Catwoman is a Steve McQueen. Um, um, uh, why is that coming to me? You're lost. Bullet. Bullet. Thank you. you. It took you too long to answer. You, <laughs> I, you I, I was giving to, you an opportunity. No, you weren't. <laughs> um, and the Fugitive one, too, with Batman and Superman. I thought that was awesome. I love all three of the Justice League ones. <laughs> yeah, those I mean, whoever thought of let's do all the Justice League guys as Magic Mike, that guy deserves a raise. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, these are, yeah, they're friggin' cool as all hell, and I will be picking up quite a few of them. Like I was mentioning, too, I watched the latest TMNT movie. I don't want to go too much in the movie stuff because, hell, we have a podcast for that, but they're comic book related. Did you even see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? No. Oh my God. Watch it just so that you have something to complain about whenever you're at, you know, get together a party or something and you need something to rant about. Because a good rant is fun to listen to. That, you see, there's the problem. Way too many people I know liked it. Uh, you're, you're serious? This is why I are don't they, go, Yeah, but these are your this idiot why I don't leave friends. The house. 
you you have idiot friends that have bad taste. We've already I have established that. Incredibly idiot friends. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was horrific. I I could not get over how bad it was. The story was terrible, and a nothing original, and two. What it did, it didn't do any better. It did worse than what we've seen over and over again. The effects, with the exception of the special effects, those were cool. I mean, although some were so late, the the, the truck going down the hill, you're like, oh, come on. Like, we're not that stupid. This is not how physics work, okay? But it was, that was terrible. But the, the effects in terms of the turtles was ridiculous. Just utter stupidity like i mean raf's a freaking tank okay massive massive it's just anyways and then the acting was overall bad completely like cliched crap that we've seen how many times it's like you see the one dude and it's like he's gonna be a bad guy he's pretending to be a good guy but he's a bad guy well, has that actor ever played a good this guy? This is what I'm saying. <laughs> and uh, it's, like, it's like casting Ralph Fiennes or uh, Tim Curry. You kind of know what you're going to get. And the um, the voice acting, for the most part, just did not fit. Period. I mean, <laughs> Splinter is Tony Shalhoub. What? Yes. I was listening to him talking and I'm going voice where the hell do i know that and then it came to me and i'm going that's freaking tony shalhoub is and i i love tony shalhoub but there's some places where he just doesn't fit that's not the right voice for it and splinter is not the right voice for it at all and so yeah that's tony shalhoub and the voices for the turtles most of them didn't fit either in my opinion i just it just didn't sound right. I mean, Donatello sounded horrible. Plus, they went out of their way to emphasize that they're teenagers. So, of course, they act like raging idiots most of the time. And it just, it was bad beginning to end. Like, horrific train wreck bad. See, and it's funny because you go back and look at, you know, the original Ninja Turtles movies. You know, the guys in the yeah. animatronic costumes. Still not good movies, but they're they're not bad either. Like they hold up. Well, I don't know about hold up, but it was still better than this. And I know that when I actually watched the first one not that long ago. Oh yeah, it's It's still entertaining. It's 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 not you know it's not going to win any awards. It's not known for its dramatic storytelling, but it's an entertaining hour and a half. And see, I saw that that movie when it came out and I was an adult at the time. So it's not like I was a kid and I'm looking through kid colored glasses saying, Oh, it was so awesome. And then you watch it an adult and go, Oh my God, no, we watched it with our kids and, and it was good. It was fun to watch. And people really bitched about that one too, when it first came out, but it was still, you know, it was still fun and it was still good. But this, no, this, this was horrible beginning to end. Could not get over how bad it was. I, I was a kid when that movie came out. Yeah, shut up. Um, <laughs> and the other one, just very, very quickly, I finally got around to watching Captain America 2. Oh. Holy crap, was that ever awesome. Seriously. 
the two awesome. movies they put out this year are probably the two best movies they've put out, period. That was unbelievably awesome. Just loved, loved, loved it. And because uh, we also picked up um, Guardians of the Galaxy on Blu-ray, of course, because we're going to be doing that on our next Popcorn Ronin. And so really looking forward to that. And I just watched that. And actually, um, I watched... I listened to the commentary because everybody was gone from the house except for me. Everybody had something to do for for the day except for me. So I went, screw it. So I watched the extras and then I listened to the commentary, which was great. And then we watched the movie at night again. So it was like a <laughs> Guardian's Day. And then the next day I watched uh, Winter Soldier. And, I mean, that's a tough act to follow because, well, you know how I feel about Guardians. I, Christ, I love that movie so much. And that second Captain America was just phenomenal. Just really, really well done. Yeah, and uh, the news broke this week that the Russo brothers who directed Winter Soldier and will be directing the next Captain America movie are also doing the uh, two-part Avengers 3. They're going to be directing that. Wow. Well, they did a good job. So very much looking forward to that. Okay, let's talk about some comics now. One of the series that I've been wanting to go over for literally years now has been Lock and Key. We talked about it briefly, and this was quite a while back. I'll have to 170 episodes ago, yeah, I think. Yeah, it was a long time ago, and I don't even remember which one we covered. I'll put it in the show notes so folks can get to it easily and listen to it. And I distinctly remember, however, being quite lost at points and not feeling like the story was cohesive enough for people just jumping in. And I wasn't always crazy about all of the art. Some of the art kind of threw me, but that was a personal preference kind of thing. But I still wanted to go back and read it from the beginning, not necessarily all of them, but some of them, because again, you hear so many good things about the series and I do like Joe Hill's writing. The Cape was like I, I I wouldn't I don't know that I necessarily put it in my top ten all all time top ten but it's up there like I have a lot of love for that and so it's actually kind of interesting timing because I'm listening to one of his books now on Audible which one uh, Heart Shaped Box okay that's his first one isn't it yeah that's his first I, one I, one. I'd never read any of his novels and there was a big sale on Audible for Halloween and all of his stuff was there for like. 350 each. Right. So I grabbed them all up and I'm just now getting starting on them. How is it? I, I'm actually really enjoying it. Like it's it's interesting comparing it to Lock and Key because it has some of the like similar themes of, you know, dealing with loss and, you know, how you feel about people once they've passed on and, you know, depression and anger and a lot of these things that, you know, are just part of being a person but in a completely different way it's definitely got more of like a, a horror twist to it instead of what they're doing in lock and key not that lock and key doesn't have kind of that horror element but it's not presented purely as a horror right. which yeah. which a uh, heart-shaped box definitely takes more of that aspect so yeah i'd like to read horns and um, it it's actually it's also very well written too good i have to say and a lot of that might also be the uh, the audiobook performance is phenomenal, <laughs> but the writing is still, you know, he's just reading what's on the page. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to read some of his stuff as well. And like I said, I, I really would like to read Horns. There's something about that that I don't That's know. That's next in my queue. <laughs> yeah. It, it just sounds like it'd be a hell of a lot of fun. So I do want to definitely um, read that at some point. But going back to Lock and Key, 
this is something again that because I wasn't exceptionally thrilled with the one that we read, it didn't really blow me away. I'd kind of just been putting it off and putting it off. And so now we talked about, should we do something up to date or just go back for something? And we haven't done a going back type of episode for a while. So I thought eh, it's a good time to do it. So we're going to be talking about Welcome to Lovecraft, which was the very first series that came out for this. And it was uh, done in 2008, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it started in February 2008 and ran for six issues. And this is, like I said, the first. So you're getting all of the information about the characters, how they came together, and how they came to be at that Key House estate. And, of course, it's because the children... Uh, Tyler, Kinsey, and Bode, which apparently you can't name your kids normal names like Joe, Bob, things like that. It has to be Kinsey. Okay, Tyler's not so bad, but <laughs> who names <laughs> their kid te- Bode? Technically, I think it's uh, Bodie. Bodie? Yes, that wouldn't make Bodie. more sense. Either way, sorry, stupid names. <laughs> but they actually witnessed their father being murdered, and we'll go into the specifics of that later on. And that is then what sends them and their mother off to the family estate located in Lovecraft, Massachusetts. And uh, the estate even has a name, Key House, of course. There's a lot of the mystical in this as well. And having read through some of the, like the, the different stuff about it and the wiki and different things where they talk about the series as a whole, again, having not read all of the other ones, I'm looking forward to reading them now because I have an idea of some of what's going to be coming up where they explain all of the mystical behind this key house estate and why there's these doors that unlock into who knows where kind of deal. And it's, it, I mean, which in the wardrobe was done already. So it's not like it's a unique concept of going through one thing into another dimension, but I like how it was presented here and I like the cast well enough and the things that are going on that it presents itself in such a way that it does actually now intrigue me enough that I do want to read the other ones. Especially the way like it tied into the story with, you know, Bodhi, the youngest boy, you know, finding the door that lets him leave his body as a ghost and tying that in with, you know, just the psychological trauma he's been through and how nobody believes him, but they're like a little worried about those, these weird stories he's making up. And then also for him himself thinking that, you know, maybe that's way he can contact his dad. Like there's a lot. It's not just, hey, here's some weird stuff. It's here's some weird stuff, but we're looking at it in a different way. Weird and also, and I'm going to credit his old man for this because there <laughs> has to be some influence. I mean, you can't have Stephen King as your old man without that influencing how you write. I don't care what anybody says. It what has kind of to. bedtime stories that he read? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dad, I don't want to listen to the one about the creepy clown tonight. <laughs> you know what's funny is that when we used to live up north, we had really, really good friends that we used to hang out with all the time. And they happened to have a little girl right after we had our last one. It was maybe a couple of months, different kind of thing. So they were raised around the same time and they'd hang out together and things like that when we got together. Well, my buddy there, he was a huge horror movie nut. 
just loved it. And he had this massive collection. This is before DVDs. So he had this massive VHS collection that had all this hard to get. He, uh, this was again, way back in the day before I worked at the government. When I worked at Blockbuster for Christ's sakes and employees at Blockbuster used to go to his place to borrow movies. <laughs> because he had stuff he couldn't find anywhere else. Well, his daughter grew up watching these horror movies and stuff. Meanwhile, ours were like watching Disney and the typical kind of thing. Granted, we also watched like Miyazaki and a whole bunch of different other stuff. But yeah, his little girl was so unfazed by this stuff that it was it was nothing. It was just special effects. <laughs> so I imagine that's what Hill, Joe, kind of grew up with. But anyways... The point that I was going to make is one of the things with with King, and it's something that you um, you realize as well when you read the book that he wrote. Uh, I believe it's called On Writing, and it it's not just mm-hmm. giving tips on writing, but also talks about him and, and things like that. And one of the things that you you really pick up on is how honest he tries to make his work, and that means all of the dirty all of the things that would be embarrassing all of the everything it's very honest in that way and i always respect that and you get that from this as well in a lot of different ways um whether it is the um the the older uh son tyler when he is you know listening in on his parents or how he feels about different things from from before his father was murdered and then after and and with each of the kids as well and a whole bunch of different things like that where you get a, a really honest portrayal of characters and i really dug that i liked that a lot actually yeah like we see so much in writing especially when you're dealing with teenage characters they become characters you know a, a collection of tropes instead of you know yeah. living breathing people but here uh Tyler Kenzie like yes they're they they go to certain extremes with the characterization but never anything that's unrealistic it's every one of the characters is relatable in some way because they are written as people instead of characters yeah yeah and like when you were saying too with when Bodhi is kind of talking about his experiences and they're starting to worry kind of thing um, you get that that fantastic scene where the mother is speaking to um well what would be her brother-in-law and they're looking at the school report, what I did over the summer, <laughs> and, and things like that, and discussing how he's affected, how they're affected, how watching their father get murdered, and then Tyler killing one of those attackers, how it affected them. And you also see it very much when I'm trying to find which issue it was, where it's centered a lot more on Kinsey, the third one. Where mm-hmm. she's talking, and it's only a few pages at the beginning, but she talks about how much she had to change herself so that she could try to fit in so that she wouldn't be that freak kid that had to see her father get killed. And again, honest and just a fantastic issue. And then later on in that issue, when she doesn't even want to run with the other girl because then she'll have to get to know her or rather the other girl will want to get to know her. And she doesn't want any of that. There was a lot of moments like that, that just, that rang true. And again, that bears the, the, the mark of a talented writer who's not afraid to write honestly about their characters either. The characters don't always have to be brave or heroic or anything like that. They're human. Yeah. And, well, as we see, 
humans aren't perfect. Oh, hell <laughs> and no. it's it's that fallibility that allows the otter elements of the story to really you know take hold and become prominent as it goes along. And see, this is one of the things where when we looked at the first um I'll have to see which one it was that we discussed. Um, but when we looked at it and it kind of at points was a little too out there, having the groundwork now to build off of that makes a big difference in how much I'm willing to accept as bizarre kind of thing. Now that that groundwork is laid for who the characters are, their relationships and the history of what took them to, from, you know, clear across the country. Now, when you insert in the truly bizarre, it kind of, it works a lot better in my opinion. Like when you're looking at the stuff here with, I mean, case in point, they live in a freaking house full of doors that you can walk through. So that in and of itself, odd enough. You can walk through doors? Shut Sorcery. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have like that spirit, demon, whatever the hell that thing is in the well, which again, at the beginning, I was like, eh, it's a little kind of cliched thing, but it was handled well enough that it was fun to read. I didn't always agree with the manner it was handled, especially because it was apparently it's, it's not limited in location to the key house estate. It can speak to the kid's father's murderer who's like cross the country in a cell and it can speak to them as well. And, and even, produce a freaking mirror and scissors in their sink. That was the point where I kind of went, okay, hold on now. Now you're stretching my, what I'm willing to accept as even possible. I know it's comic book magic bullshit, but it was like, come on, seriously, that's, that's pushing it a little far. No, that, that, that's actually a really good point to make because for a lot of these supernatural stories to really be effective, you have to, set down the rules of how things work in your fictional universe. And especially early on, as we see here, he plays a little loose with that, that he's sacrificing some of the, that those rules for the sake of, you know, a, a narrative effect. And so I, I, it's been so long since I read some of the later volumes. I can't remember if, you know, he kind of tamps that down, but no, it, it, it's definitely a, a fair point to make. Yeah. And, and to me, it felt the cheating. Instead mm. of the... Like, I can't figure out how to get this guy out of the jail exactly. cell. Exactly. And instead of putting the forethought into figuring out a way that this spirit or demon or whatever the hell she is can effectively help him escape, it's just materializing crap in his sink. So that was... Like, talking to him through the painting, that at least made sense. That was actually spooky as hell. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> because at least the painting was a connection to the key house. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the toilet in his jail cell, not to my knowledge. Yeah, no, it didn't really fit. So the spirit helps. When I, when going back to the, the murder, like I said, the there were two kids who were going to, who were worked at committing this murder of the kid's father. The main one, uh, character by the name of Sam Lesser, he was actually a student at the school where the father was a guidance counselor or something anyways. And the, um, it's the son is sitting down talking to him at one day at one point And 
Sam is talking about he was going to kill his own father and Tyler's pissed off at his own old man who's the counselor for Sam and says, yeah, well, while you're at it, kill mine. And Sam takes it literally and finds them. And Sam is troubled in a great many ways, as we see in that one issue where he's being, he's going across the country to uh, to go back and find the uh, the Locke family. And there's a lot of flashbacks showing just how screwed up this kid is. And so the um, he kills the, uh, the 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 old man. And it's Tyler who breaks into the house and fights the other kid. Or no, no, he no, doesn't he, kill the other kid. He fights he Sam. He it's fits his Sam. Exactly. Took out the, the other kid. The, the axe to the back of the head to the other kid. But he batters Sam bad enough that he's got stitches all over his face. And But he lives and he goes to this detention center for, it looks like it's for kids. It's not a big deal to get, not that big a deal, I should say, to to escape and get out of. And then of course he treks across, holds the family hostage at their new location so that he can get the quote unquote anywhere key so that, and give it to this spirit in the well. And then she's supposed to kind of whatever she, what, what is it? She's like trading. She's, she's, she'll find a way to free him. And then of course she just kind of traps him in, in mm-hmm. that one room. Anyways, I don't want to spoil too, too much. For the most part, like we were saying, it works and it's fun and it's a, it's a good read for the most part. There's only those few moments where he's kind of goes a little too loosey goosey with what is possible in the confines of what he's establishing, the magic he's establishing. And had it not been for those, I would have been poof, entire thing, not like not blown away, but like really invested But those few little things were enough that took me out of the story and made me kind of question whether it was a cheat or or a lazy cheat or just a setup that we'll get more from later on. See, and for that later on, I'm in a bit of a crisis (laughs) because I actually own the first two or three volumes. I forget off the top of my head. In the really nice hardcovers that they were originally oh, released nice. in. Th- these are gorgeous hardcovers, like very well, well bound, like really nice artwork. They've got – you don't need a bookmark in a comic book, but it's got them. Like it's really stylish. <laughs> like it just looks really cool. And then I ran into some financial issues. Couldn't really spend a whole lot of money on comics and stuff. So I don't know how to finish reading this series because <laughs> I have half a collection that I now – really can't complete because those hardcovers are long gone. <laughs> so do I go digital? Do I go paperback? Like, <laughs> it's, it's just awkward having half a collection. <laughs> You're that person. I'm that person. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> because I, I really do want to finish reading the series, but that's the reason I haven't finished it. <laughs> There's a hell of a lot more to read. I don't know how many you own. I think it's that. six or seven volumes altogether. There's quite a few. Quite a few, and they just released um, the other ones. There's one that just finished now, isn't there? I thought, or was well, that Alpha last and year? Omega was the last one, and I think the actual individual issues came out last year. Yeah, no, you're right. You're so right. The, yeah, the collected yeah, so editions are you know finally. I guess it would be the paperback edition by now. That's that's just recently coming out. Okay, all right. So, any pardon thoughts? 
I need advice for how to finish reading it. Okay, well, I can't help you with that. <laughs> can I help you with that? If anybody knows where I can get those last couple hardcovers. <laughs> Let them know. <laughs> Vince at comicbookinformer.com. Okay, let's move on to what we are reading. Now, you may have noticed. You've got a library. I put a lot there. But I also left a note saying snag any of these that you want. So before I start, was there any in there that you wanted to discuss? Well, I did read quite a few of the ones you had. I just didn't have uh, that many, that much to say. Like, you know, it's not something I would have brought up. But if you're going to bring it up, I'll, I'll chime you in. Yeah, words to say. Okay, well, let's start with I did finish reading all of Powers Bureau. Mm-hmm. So caught up to date and everything. And what I said before, I feel fits for how it ended as well. I am, it kind of ramped up to a certain degree. I, it, I shouldn't say kind of, it definitely ramped up where you got a lot more information about the powers kind of taking over in a shady way, the FBI and different things like that. Although that's, I mean, again, nothing extraordinarily new or original. There were some some good scenes to be had, definitely, as is always the case with any power series. But I still maintain that this is far from the strongest powers work that we've seen. Mm-hmm. So... That's too bad. Let's save the Spider-Verse stuff until... Because <laughs> there's some, a lot of Spider-Verse stuff. Spider stuff. But um, did you read the Spider-Man annual? See, here's the thing with annuals. I'm not a terribly big fan of them usually. And since three of them came out last week, <laughs> I, uh, the only one I, I really was interested in was the X-Men one. Okay, yeah. Especially since... You know, maybe if this Spider-Man annual hadn't come out the same week as a bunch of Spider-Verse stuff, it was too much. I, I would have been more interested. But if you're telling, you know, a side story that has nothing to do with Spider-Verse while Spider-Verse is going on, it, it's kind of hard to grab my interest. Well, not just that, but it really, it was not yeah. that spectacular. I gotta say, it was. It wasn't even that amazing. It was not that good. It was pretty. It's, it's right there in the title. It was amazing. I, what I'm telling you is that it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, rescuing somebody's cell phone, eh, not so much with the amazing. Eh, nothing really spectacular about that. It just, I know that there has to be those little moments where it's like not as mind blowing and adventure as he always has, but. What makes it fun to read are those mind-blowing adventures where you have a regular dude who's just a goofball getting himself into a heap of trouble. Whereas this is just an everyday life kind of thing where you find a cell phone and you manage to get it back to the person. And there's some other stuff too, but I really wasn't crazy about it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, then let's talk about the other annual then, the uh, Uncanny X-Men annual with um eva 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 mm-hmm. that was freaking awesome i don't know about yeah. you but goddamn, <laughs> like i've been waiting for this ever since bendis posted the first couple art pages like six months ago i'm like when is this thing coming out because the story itself is okay like it's nothing amazing it's nothing honestly it's nothing we haven't even seen before yeah it's it's basically the same story they're telling with Doc Ock right now. <laughs> Here's what happened when she accidentally time traveled. But the artwork and like, the, the actual like line work is okay, but the panel layouts, the coloring, just the general style of this comic is gorgeous. 
And I did like the way that it was written, though. And like you're saying, oh, no, it's, it, it's, it's it was nothing written well, but it wasn't anything. Oh, no, nothing spectacularly original. Definitely, it wasn't anything uncanny. But it was. We're really playing on those adjectives, aren't we tonight? I figured I would throw uh, that in there. The um, I, I like the cast of characters. I like the, the the manner in which it unfolded and things like that. And I like her and the relationship with Ileana as well was fun to read, kind of thing. So while it wasn't wholly original it was a lot of fun to read still i thought and especially knowing that it's gonna it's continuing in what the all new x-men annual is it not yes so that's gonna be again equally fun to read to see where it goes from there every couple years marvel has to throw kill raven into a comic to keep their copyright alive at this point just give us a mini series (laughs) He hasn't done anything of value in a couple decades, but every once in a while he'll just show up as a cameo. I want to see a modern day Kill Raven series. I think that could be done well. Cool. Did you read the Guardians of the Galaxy annual? Again, with the annual stuff, and once I saw Frank Cho on art, I kind of you could just look say the other no. way. Okay. Uh, nothing that really. It's hard to say. It was like, I mean, it's not a bad story. It's, it's, it's for an annual, just this little moment in time story where, you know, Captain Marvel is recounting an adventure that they had. She's trying to do a digital video log kind of thing and everybody's interrupting her. And then she has this, they have this adventure with the, uh, a shield helicarrier that comes out of nowhere and, there's a whole bunch of people on it, including white old Nick Fury and um, and Jessica Drew stuff too. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that happens, and you're like, okay, this is a little interesting. What the hell's going on? And they're fighting the scrolls. It wasn't a bad little adventure, but it was. I don't know. It was. I don't want to say boring, but it was just. I don't know. It wasn't enough. Put it that way. It's a, it's one of those things. I'm not a fan of Frank Cho, so unless it was something story wise that really gripped me, I wasn't going to pay much attention to it. The art wasn't that bad, really. It's uh, his artwork is good. Just in my experience, it's also kind of over sexualized cheesecake frequently. So there was a, said, I, I haven't even looked at it, so I couldn't tell you. Tiny bit of that with one character, but it was literally only like one panel or so, and that was it. So it wasn't too bad. Yeah, um, okay. Death of Wolvie. Because I, I love to <laughs> hammer nails into my own toes. Um, this one. Did you read this while you were watching Ninja Turtles? No, no, no. I have to pace out the abuse. <laughs> is what it boils down to. Uh, Logan Legacy number six, and this one was with Mystique now. And see, the problem with these things too now is that Axis is trying to tell us that the bad guys are good guys and the good guys are bad guys. And I know that different stories happen at different times, but death, the Wolverine is supposed to be taking place now at the same time as Axis right now. Wolverine isn't in Axis. Wolverine died a week ago. That's ancient news. Well, (laughs) mystique is a badass in this. Like she is not a good person. At all. And I got to say, the story was really didn't do anything for me at all. At all. I understand what they're trying to explain and laying the groundwork and things like that. But because it's tying into those new 
Weapon X people. So I can see how it's trying to tie it all in. But frankly, I was not really that thrilled with this issue. But then she's playing this horrific person. But then you look at, was it? I think it was Amazing X-Men. Yeah, the Amazing X-Men. Which is a comic I've been telling you to go back and check out, and then you finally check it out the week they do an Axis tie-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was, uh, Chris Yost wrote it, and it's the, the worst of us, the best slash worst of us. And and here, Mystique is good, and she's fighting to save Nightcrawler. And it's like, make up your goddamn mind. I just read those two back-to-back. In one, she's a villain, and the other one, she's a good person. I hate it when that happens. I do. Mm-hmm. I, it seems like a petty little thing, but it's not. I hated when they can't get their continuity cropped together from issue to issue in the same freaking month. If you're going to have these events and you're having two events here, Axis and the Death of Wolverine, for Christ's sakes, get your crap together so that it makes sense when your readers are reading them in the same month. Yeah, like, this is some. This isn't unusual for comics to have you know timelines that don't quite match up. You know, it takes a little while for things to iron out. But when these timelines involve vastly different characterizations, yeah, it definitely becomes no, an issue. This was definitely noticeable, and I hated it. Uh, like if Wolverine was still alive in one comic because they haven't gotten around to it yet, I, that's a little more forgivable. But yeah, having the same character as two different characters, that's pretty off-putting. Well, the thing too is that they're making such a huge deal about the flip-flop in personalities. That's all you're seeing in all of these comics is, you know, the the good guys being bad and the bad guys being good. They're making a massive deal about it. And yet in two issues last month or this month, they screw it up. So I hate it when that happens. And this was – Maybe maybe that's why they killed Wolverine. They couldn't figure out what to do with him once his personality's inverted. Yeah, really. Uh, He'd just be the same guy. <laughs> what did you – I'm assuming you read this one? No, I saw Axis and I noped out of there. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was, I mean, it wasn't terrible, terrible, this one. It was better than the Death of Wolverine issue for sure. The The relationship stuff between Nightcrawler and Mystique is complicated enough normally. Throw this in <laughs> and it's it's way different. And what was fun about this, I will say, is, of course, you're having a character like Mystique who, yeah, she's a powerful mutant, but trying to take on Nightcrawler. And, I mean, dude can teleport wherever the hell he wants and wreak havoc on the people who made fun of him when he was a kid. So it's it's damn near impossible for her to be able to really do anything about this character. So it, it was a little bit of fun to read. I'll, I'll give it that. But it was nothing really that amazing for me. And then, once again, here we are now with continuity problems with Nightcrawler. <laughs> because in... Nightcrawler, he's still good, but now the rest of the team is gone evil, but not because of Axis, but because of some shadow dude For who's completely unrelated completely reasons. Completely different reasons. So it's like, you're kidding me, seriously? <laughs> Come on. And this issue, he's got to be thinking about the good old days with Kitty and everybody else. And then the lessons he learned from Wolverine about how to take down all of the teammates in case that ever happened. Because there's even a panel where, I can't remember if it's Nightcrawler who says it in that 
Wolvie told him or Wolverine told him, you have to be ready to take on your um, your teammates because if there's one thing villains like to do is take control of heroes' minds and things like that. And it's like, yeah, no freaking kidding. Nice little jab at... <laughs> Nobody knows that better than Wolverine. <laughs> We're seeing that all the freaking time now in the last few months. So, yeah, that was really not that... Yeah, not the big deal. Um, <laughs> I have to thank Mocha Raid on Twitter because I got a copy of Bob's Burgers, number one. <laughs> oh, how was that? Okay, here's the thing. It... For anybody who does not watch Bob's Burger, I actually was in that boat not that long ago. I just had never gotten around to watching it. And we started watching it and we've been like, we're already up to season five now. We're caught up and like we did it very fast. Like we chain watch these things. And sometimes not even with like my son in the room, just my wife and I (laughs) sitting around watching Bob's Burgers, (laughs) like three, four episodes. Really, really like the show. The writing is very clever, very well done. And I was hoping that the writing would be the same because it's the same writers, apparently same creative teams. They said, um, the same would be true with this. And I think it could be done in comic book format if they spent an entire issue as they do with one episode kind of thing, but they didn't, they split it up into little vignettes. Mm. So you got like, five different little vignette things. Um, one of them being t- Tina's erotic friend fiction. And, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and things like that. It comes off geared much more for kids than for adults to enjoy. And it's mainly again, because of that, the manner in which it's written with the little vignettes, it's like, it comes off as a, an Archie comic book, almost kind of thing. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, I wasn't as crazy about it. It wasn't bad, but well, no, some of it was bad, <laughs> but, but it was like, meh, not that amazing. Anyways. Um, did you read the latest Thor? I did. Okay. How are you feeling as the Thor person? This is going. I'm a little disappointed because... If this had just been a continuation of Aaron's previous run, which was phenomenal, I've said that enough times, I'd be like, okay, I would be able to go along with it. But since they made such a big deal of establishing, you know, this is our new Thor, this is where we're going, so far through three issues, the story hasn't focused on her at all. <laughs> and that's what's disappointing. Well, I, I know that I know nothing of what's going on. And it doesn't make sense to me that she needs the hammer in order to maintain a godlike presence, let's say. I mean, she's, she still is able to do godlike things without it, but then it starts to disappear from her over time without the hammer. I assume that Brothor, whether he has the hammer or not, is still a god. The hammer kind of helps with the smack and things around, but he's still a god. They even say that in here, whereas she's losing her godness without the hammer. Does that well, make sense? Going back to to like the old school days of Thor when he was just Doctor Donald Blake, and it was the hammer that turned him into Thor. Okay. So if since she's not Thor, she still needs the hammer to gain the power. So I can buy that. Okay, I, it, and and even that didn't bother me all that much. I just figured that's just again 
trope used for the, the sake of the mm-hmm. story. <laughs> when the thing that bothered me the most is Thor shows up at the end. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Thor shows up at the end and he is more mad at her because she has his hammer than dude that's wearing his arm around his neck. <laughs> I'm thinking that's priority number one. Public enemy number one is the dude with your arm around his neck. Maybe then he really likes the go. robot arm. You, you Don't think? knock it till you've tried it, yeah. Roger. I'd, hey, I'd take robot legs. If the technology <laughs> was advanced enough, I'd do it in a heartbeat. But, uh, but yeah, so that was like, I read that and I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> your arm's right there. <laughs> it's a <laughs> necklace on that guy's shoulder. <laughs> My my main problem with this is that they're – it's kind of stupid. They're focusing more on the story than they are on the character, right. which is something I would not complain about otherwise. But since they made such a big deal about the character, they need to focus more on the character. Well, at this point here, yeah. We just – anyways. Um, News Rocket Raccoon. Great. <laughs> it was awesome. I love Cosmo. So Cosmo that was a great was awesome. little issue yes. for me. Yep. Fun. I it, – it, I, I honestly, I don't know what else to say. There hasn't been a single issue that's disappointed me yet that wasn't a lot of fun to read and look at. And this one here with all of the robots and wearing the poncho at the end when he's trying to disguise himself. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I have so much love for this series. It's unbelievable. Uh, what else did I have my, on my list here? Okay, okay, now the spider people. Because <laughs> we got spiders. Not the wazoo. <laughs> oh, actually, before we go into Spider Verse, though, did you read Spider Man and Spider Man and the X Men? Yes. Okay, you sound like you liked it. I did. I did not. Oh. This okay. is more like Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X Men than Jason Latour's Wolverine and the X Men was. So it 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 has that same feel. Which, to me, it didn't. To really? me, it didn't at all. To me, it was disingenuous to the characters because Spider-Man's worked with most of the older team members. Yeah, that kind of bugged me a little bit. From the get-go, they treat them like crap. Now, let alone the fact that this could not be happening at the same time. It's obviously not happening at the same time because the ex-people are nice. He makes mention that he has all of this stuff going on and that he shouldn't be doing this, but he does it anyway. Again, playing loosey-goosey with continuities of what's going on now. And it has to be happening now because Wolverine died. So it's happening now at the same time as Spider-Verse is happening at the same time as the X-Men are supposed to be evil. And they're clearly not. They're just damn rude. <laughs> so that kind of threw it off for me as well. I, it just, all that happened on Tuesday. That you know, it's it's Wednesday now. No, We're moving no, on. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, it, it did. <laughs> I, I, it just it bothered me, and it did bother me. The attitude again. He's teamed up with them. He's in the Avengers with some of them, and yet they treat him like crap. And this whole "you're not a mutant, you don't belong here" prejudice crap was like yeah and like the the once again the teenagers were reverted to stereotypical teenagers that are all have issues none of them can possibly listen they're all going to be idiots and 
that's what happened here. And that's what I hated when the switch happened with Wolvinus Peeps once Aaron stopped and you saw that take over again. And that's what we see here. And so there was way too many things here that I just was reading and groaning and thinking, my God, I love both of these IPs so much. And yet this sucks. All of it. I didn't like it at all. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Well, you're an idiot. Okay. Fair enough. We've established that. That's your opinion. <laughs> okay. Lastly, now some Spider-Verse. So which one are we going to do first? The uh, tie-in? I guess ASM and, would be yeah, a good place well. to start. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you take it. No, I don't want to. But fine. Okay. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> you bitch when I put too many that I'm no, reading. We, we finally get our confrontation between Pete and, well, Otto. other Pete. Otto Pete. <laughs> I love how he absolutely owned him with logic. Yes. <laughs> Otto supposed to be the super genius and so confident in his ability that he can't imagine a future timeline where Peter is back as Spider-Man knows that it has to be a past version of Peter and Peter plays off of that. That was brilliant. I had to read that line a couple of times because it, I, I, I got it as soon as he said it, but oh, that's just freaking awesome. That was just so freaking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And again, like you're saying, like it's it's so true to the characters. And this is where when you're you're seeing good writing and you can you can say that that the, the characters are who they're supposed to be at all times. And that fight scene between Peter and Otto is just that. It was I I loved it. But I also loved all of the again, the inter spider relationships that you're seeing more of that we've been following, especially the stuff with Gwen now that we saw not just in this one, but as well in the, the tie-ins kind of things, Mm -hmm. the team up where again, that Gwen lost Peter, whereas most of the Peters lost Gwen. And so that seeing them work that out between them is kind of fun to read. And I wasn't as crazy with was it this one or was it the team up? No, it was this one where you're seeing them going to the TV verse one. Oh my! I loved that. See, I it's it's starting to feel gimmicky now. Oh, it's in, absolutely gimmicky. Yeah. I'm not going to argue that. In the the first few that we saw like that initially with past issues was kind of like, damn, that's cool. Like the the strip one, the newspaper strip one and things like that. It was like, oh, this is awesome. This is funny. But now it's kind of like, okay, it's kind of really coming off as gimmicky. So I, I wasn't as crazy about those myself. I liked it. And the, uh, in the team up issue where you had miles, uh, animated ultimate Spider-Man going yeah. back to sixties animated Spider-Man, having two different cartoon versions of Peter Parker and the way they played with the art style. First of all, replicating the art style of that old 60s animated series was hilarious. But the way they played off of it with having the two of them supposedly being the same person, I thought it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that one. Again, it's not that I I did not necessarily like it, but the gimmick for me is starting to wear thin. So it wasn't as cool. And And there was, like, I did love the art style. And for me, especially, like, I, when I was a kid, these were the shows that were on and like watched it all the freaking time. Yeah, he already killed the Spider-Man from when I was a kid. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I like that. I also like the, uh, 
when Miles reveals himself at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of nice playing along with that. The um, I did like the story with Gwen and mm-hmm. Goblin Peter, which was which was fun. It, I mean, again, nothing wholly original, but I mean, it, it was all right. The um, but then but the 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 going back to the actual Amazing Spider-Man one, I did like the reveal at the end kind of well not the reveal but the, the the end of it where they're coming through earlier than expected the mm-hmm. massive freaking fight scene which was cool as hell i loved that the especially with the father and then sealing the baby as well i mean it's ramping up really fast and i love how it's ramping up i love the that the the level of danger is not uh, letting up at all. Yeah, we thought they were safe. Yeah, not at all. Nope, <laughs> not even. Not only close. that, the most powerful enemy is now more powerful. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I again still locked into this event. Like I can't even think of the last event that I've been this invested in and loving. This is just the problem great. is. Well, it's probably Spider Island was probably the last yeah. one. The problem is every time we get invested in an event, they find some way to screw it up. Yeah, there's that. Oh, and just ever so briefly, freaking Samurai Jack, still awesome. Great. My God, I'm loving this series. He's doing such a good job. Good works up. Okay, I, what have you got? I know we're running long, so I just mentioned no, no, that's right. I read you. Oh. <laughs> what the hell, layman? <laughs> I told you. I, I told you. <laughs> everything we've seen in that comic, you know, across all comics, no, like, nothing has punched me in the gut harder than that. <laughs> what the hell? I didn't see it coming. Well, of course not. At all, <laughs> at all, at all. So when you flip the page and you get that and it was like, oh! <gasps> What the hell? <laughs> what? what just happened? And it's like flip back, read, flip back again. <laughs> Are these pages stuck That's, together? What? what the, how does this make sense? What? <laughs> so yeah, freaking awesome issue though, <laughs> beginning to end. That was yes. like God. It was just so fantastic. The um, big fight scene, and and Chu losing them, losing it on them because he knows they're not supposed to go into. T- to fight right now my god yeah it was uh really really fantastic loved it yeah okay what else you got uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up there we'll we'll pick up next week all right good enough so new releases for this week we've got all new captain america number two all new x-men number 34 avengers and x-men axis number eight of nine it's almost done folks black widow 13 captain marvel number 10 death of wolvie the wolf weapon x program number four of five in case you want to be board some more deathlock number three electra number nine guardians of the galaxy 22 inhuman number 10 marvel universe avengers assemble season two number two miles morales ultimate they need to shorten some of these damn names <laughs> ultimate spider-man number eight moon knight number 10 ms marvel number 10 scarlet spiders two of three that's gonna be awesome spider woman number two equally awesome except for the art and uh storm number six i'm not so sure about that anymore on the dc side We've got Batman number 37, Batman Eternal 
number 37. It's caught up at woman number 37, Justice League 37, and multi Multiversity Thunder World number one. For anybody who might be interested, there you go. On the image side, we've got Drifter number two, Intersect number two, Oddly Normal number four, Rumble number one, Wayward number five, and Witches number three. And on the other side, oh, we got a crap load here. Jim Henson's The Storyteller Witches wrapping up at four. Bob's Burgers, number five of five. I'm going to be reading the other one, so I'll be able to let folks know if there's any really good ones, but hopefully it does. Borderlands 5. Yes. From IDW. And I put in the Godzilla Cataclysm, five of five. Uh, you thought of me. Ragnarok, Rock, number three. So that's awesome. Looking forward to seeing that. Rotten Ruin, number four. That's been still excellent. The second in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ghostbuster crossover. So that's going to be good as well. Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, number 36 from IDW. And Harbinger Faith, number zero. It sounded kind of like it might be interesting. That's from Valiant. If we had time, I was going to mention some of that stuff, but we'll get around to that next episode. If we were going to have time, you were going to mention what? Some of the, the I've caught up on some Valiant stuff recently. Oh, okay. Next week. Well, two weeks. Two weeks, yes. We are going to be taking next week off, folks. It is uh, Christmas week. Hanukkah, whenever the hell Hanukkah is, whatever. Happy holidays to everybody. Today is the first day of Hanukkah. Okay, well, there you go. So, happy holidays to everyone who listens to the show. We will be seeing you in two weeks. We will have the last episode before the year's end. And uh, we will be recording an absolutely fantastic Popcorn Ronin next weekend, which will release probably... Uh, a few days from there anyways and we're going to be doing a full-blown commentary on guardians of the galaxy so if you watch a show and you enjoy watching commentaries then this is going to be fun you'll be able to queue up the movie on your side as well as the podcast and listen in as we talk about it so really looking forward to recording that and getting people's opinions and with that we'll let you go like i said happy holidays and we'll talk to you in a few weeks you can say happy holidays too yeah screw it Bah humbug. Freaking humbug. <laughs> I have to work. <laughs>